This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Well, happy Sabbath, everyone. Good to be here at GYC. Last seminar. Uh, I'm glad to be able to have shared with you these last three seminars. Um, If you have not listened to the first two, uh, they should be available online. It's good to see some familiar faces. Uh, My name is, uh, how many of you, how many of you, this is the first time you've come to one of these seminars? Okay. Let me ask the opposite question. How many have been at least one of the health seminars or the the Triple W seminar. Okay, all right. So just a quick, uh, quick introduction. My name is Jason Shives. I am a physician living in Mississippi. A, I did my training at Loma Linda University and then Florida Hospital for residency. And one of the things I like to incorporate into my practice is not just healing of the body, but healing of the, the soul as well. And there's lots of good counsel on doing that. Just as a, a Don, you want to come up here? As a, as, a, uh, as a review, we'll do a quick review over the course of the first three sessions. Uh, how many of you guys remember what the three W's st- stood for? The wealthy, worldly, well-educated. Ellen White specifically says that there is a, ne- there is a, a, a neglect of the, the, the higher class, so to speak, of people. People that have more resources tend to be neglected because, to be quite honest, it's harder to reach those people with the gospel. They, you know, different reasons, they, they're able to, because of the resources, they're able to make their own heaven on earth. Uh, they tend to seclude themselves. But despite the barriers, it shouldn't discourage us. We should try to reach these people as well. Uh, the gospel, if you think, uh, was more powerfully proclaimed because of wealthy people that supplied missionaries during the first century. Think of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, so those, that's a neglected group, and they as well need the gospel just as much as everyone else. Uh, and we went into the health talks. We talked the first, the first uh, session. We talked about the Adventist health message and, and how this small group of people with basically no knowledge at all in and of themselves were able to change the world. And now just about anywhere you go, you, you see the, the trappings of pieces of the Adventist health message. Uh, we talked about the, the history and a lot of the science, which has really gone against what we've been preaching as Adventists for, you know, for over 100 years, is just now starting to catch up with what uh, God had given Ellen White through, uh, through vision. And uh, very powerful, and it's still catching up. So the challenge was to stay ahead of the curve and not wait for everyone else to figure it out and then join and follow the things you knew already. Don't let science be your God. Let God be your God. Amen? Amen. We gave you a, da- a, a Daniel challenge. We talked about Daniel. And uh, how many of you guys, just by showing hands, took that Daniel challenge? Is there anybody here? We've got a few people. It basically, it was for 10 days to, to allow God to give you the same experience that he gave Daniel, to, to put him to the test. If you're someone that maybe put health on the back seat, to try to give God a chance for 10 days, just like Daniel, to eat a plant-based diet, to, to, to exercise daily, to make him a priority in your life. I took that Daniel challenge when I was a medical student in Loma Linda. A friend of mine gave me that challenge, and 10 days has become 10 years. And I haven't looked back, and I'm thankful that he was willing to step out on the limb. I was very skeptical. My wife was somebody that would give me a hard time about my diet for for several years. And uh, by God's grace and persistence in her, um, 
I'm able to give a talk at GYC, so this is great. Uh, we, talked about, yes, we talked yesterday about tools you could use to bring the health message to the masses and within your own practice, with one-on-one uh, -on -one and some, some larger uh, groups uh, using your church, if, you have a, if you're a healthcare practitioner, if you're a physician, um, to be able to use these tools. And, and uh, I'd like at this time to give a few minutes to a gentleman that actually has a, a program he'd like to talk to you about. Don, can you come on up? And uh, is there a, a microphone I could give him? Do you want me to just give him the one I have? Yeah. Okay. All right, Don. Now, Don, Don is a good friend of mine, and he's at Weimar Institute, and he's going to talk to you guys about their program. So I'll give you about uh, three minutes. Thank you. Thank you for the graciousness with your time. And thank you for coming to this seminar. I have to say that this is one of the most important seminars to come to if what I'm about to say is true. Um, in Isaiah 58, you have a chapter that begins with the Day of Atonement. Cry aloud, spare not. It's the loud cry, Day of Atonement message. It ends with the Sabbath. Do you remember that chapter? And in the middle, it says that there's a problem, and that problem is that prayers are not being answered, and God is not revealing himself. And then it says that the righteousness of God would go before you in the middle if you basically do medical missionary work. And walls would be broken down. Walls are broken down at the end of Isaiah 58. And what breaks the walls down is, is gospel medical missionary work. Now, when I was a pastor for 13 years, I worked with a physician that was committed like... Uh, Dr. Shives is, and some of your other presenters. We worked in a great team ministry. We had over 1,000 people come through our health programs, and about 10% of those people joined the church. And now I'm running a school that does the same thing. It's fascinating to see. We had atheists. We've had, he mentioned worldly people. He mentioned wealthy people. People you normally would not reach. And as they've come through our program, I'll just tell you two stories. Our program is a four-month program that basically does what every church or doctor's office should be doing all the time. And it gives a flavor of how walls are broken down through personal interaction with people concerning practical issues. I like to call the health message the practically prophetic message. Because remember, God said, or Daniel said to his friends, if you do this, you let us do this for 10 days, there's going to be a difference, and that prophecy came true. And when those prophecies come true in people's lives where diseases stopped or reversed, then they have confidence in you. So let me tell you two quick stories. In our first class, we send our students out to learn how to do health coaching. We have them go, and we prepare them how to cook, how to do natural remedies and teach in the homes and whatnot. Anyway, these people were going to a restaurant. They were doing a little restaurant ministry that day. And they went into this restaurant and they said, could you give us some Thai food without fish sauce? And they said, we don't know how to do that. And they talked. They said, but we want you to be our customers. They were a new startup of a restaurant. So they said, well, we'll fix that for you on Friday night. You come back. And they said, we can't come on Friday night because that's our Sabbath. And they said, really? Sabbath. We've been thinking about the Sabbath day. We don't know much about it, but we watched a YouTube video. Would you come and tell us uh, about the Sabbath? 
and we won't charge you any money on Friday night, and you just come. So they came. That started a Bible study on the book of Daniel. They now all are attending the church. Twelve people asked to join the Adventist church as a result of that interaction. That continues to happen, and I think it needs to happen in every doctor's office in every school. That's what we teach in our school. One last story. In the last month, had a very exciting thing happen. We run various programs over the four months. We first of all do training. We teach people all the New START principles, depression recovery principles, and all those different principles. Then we teach how to do it in a public setting and a private health coaching setting. And there was a man who said to me, I am an atheist. I'm only here for the health aspect. I want you to know that. I don't know why he singled me out. You know, the only other person that had ever done that was my wife. It didn't work out well for her. We got married. So anyway, <laughs> he, um, he singled me out like that. And I said, you know, we're going to respect that. And I think you can feel very comfortable because you seem very confident in your atheism. And uh, so, you know, you can have confidence that you'll never be swayed if that's what you want, because freedom of choice, you just come. So he came, he saw amazing results. The students in our class, the health coaches, surrounded him and were praying for him every day. With, and that's almost unfair. He didn't know it, but they were praying for him. Unfair things. So they're praying for him and they're cooking for him and they're reaching out to him and they're loving on him and his wife. Then one day he says to one of the students, he says, look, I went to the doctor and the doctor says I have a severe blockage and I, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, we'll pray for you. He goes, you can pray. I don't know if it's going to work. They prayed. He went back to the doctor and they did a repeat of the test on his heart and found that there was no blockage. And the physician said, we don't know what happened, Mr. Russell, but you have absolutely no blockage and you did yesterday or last a couple of weeks ago. We can't explain that. What's been happening? He goes, I don't know. The only thing I know is those people were praying for me. The last visit I had with Russell, he said to me, I, he came to church. I said, look, I know you don't want to come to church, but I want you to tell at least that story. He says, okay, I'm going to come. So he came to church. I preached a sermon. Christ has identified with you. Will you identify with him? That was the sermon. At the end, he raised his hand. He said, I want to identify with Christ. And he asked me to join the Adventist church. Never would have been reached without the health message. Walls were broken down in his mind. Walls were broken down in his heart, in his arteries. Walls were broken down. And I want to encourage you, this seminar is the most important seminar. If you want to get more training, you can come to my school or other schools, of course. I know most about my school. So I would recommend my school since I know so much about it. Thank you, Don. Amen? Awesome. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here today at GYC. Thank you for uh, the messages that we've heard so far, uh, the changed lives. And Lord, that's what it's all about. It's all about uh, pointing people to you, uh, helping them to, to not only just know that they're, not just to give them assurance of salvation, Father, but to help them to enjoy the lives here on earth as well, Father. You're not just worried 
Uh, Lord, about our spirit, but Lord, you care, you care about our body. You care about how we feel because, Lord, they're connected. Help us as uh, people living these last days to really uh, take hold of the, the whole message you have for us today. Bless us and help us to be attuned to your, your spirit leading. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Okay, so tearing walls down. Impact of medical missions and spreading the gospel. Let's see if this is going to work. Okay. I'm going to start off with a few quotes just to kind of set the stage, and I'm going to end with some, some stories of how medical missions has impacted me specifically. I had the opportunity to be a part of a disaster response to Tacloban. Uh, if you guys remember the largest typhoon to hit, you know, uh, basically any landmass on the planet, uh, just horrible. But I'll share with you uh, a few of the pictures from that. Uh, starting off with just uh, some background, the whole earth to be illuminated. This is uh, some quotes from Ellen White's writings. At this time, there should be representatives of present truth in every city. How many cities? And in the remote parts of the earth. The whole earth is to be illuminated with the glory of God's truth. The light is to shine to all lands and all peoples. This is not an exclusive gospel. This is a gospel that goes to the whole world, regardless of their religion, regardless of their race. And it is from those who have received the light that is to shine forth. Uh, it's with this type of zeal, this mentality, this, this, this vision, that you take a small group of people in less than a couple of hundred years, you know, a very, very young church, and, and now you have multiplied millions of people hearing this message around the world. Uh, reaching the cities. Uh, mission work. Uh, this, we've heard a lot about this in the evening meetings, and this is, this is really an area I think we as Adventists could really improve upon, is, is how to reach these cities. Because, you know, a hundred years ago, most of the people lived in rural areas, but the majority of the people, especially in this country, live in urban centers nowadays. Uh, they're all clustered together. Physicians whose professional abilities are above those of the ordinary doctor should engage in the service of God in the larger cities. Large cities. They should seek to reach the higher classes. Medical missionaries who labor in evangelistic lines are doing a work as of high in order as the ministerial fellow laborers. So this is just as important as being a pastor uh, when you do health work. The efforts put forth by these workers are not to be limited to, to poorer classes, higher classes. So people that are rich get sick too. That's kind of an, you know, it's kind of like the great equalizer is that no matter how much money you make, you're going to get sick sometime, right? The higher classes have been strangely neglected and the higher walks of life will be found many who will respond to the truth because it is consistent because it bears the stamp of a high character of the gospel. Truth is truth is truth. It's logical. The, if you look at every doctrine in the Adventist church, it makes sense. It just makes sense. I mean, even if you are not a a biblically-minded person, if you look, I mean, it makes sense to take care of your body. It makes sense to, to take the Sabbath off. I mean, you just can't work all I mean, down throughout all the different uh, teachings of the church. Not a few of the men of ability thus won to the cause will enter, energe enter, enter en energetically into the Lord's work. So not, not a few, but that means many, right? I have been instructed to encourage the conducting of cooking schools in all places where medical missionary work is being done. So What's the message here? It's, it's not that cooking schools or that medical missionary work is the gospel. It's that we need to find ways to reach them. What did Jesus do? You know, if you look at the gospels, he spent more time healing than he did preaching, right? He wanted to mingle with people. Showed, he showed them that he cared, not because he was trying to just preach to them, but he really did care about them. He wanted to reach their needs, and then he shared, them, shared with them something that was even more important. You know, medical missionary work or medical, medical work will get you a good, maybe an extra 50, 60 years of life if you're really sick. But true medical missionary work will get you eternity, right? Amen? 
Missionary lands, Seventh-day Adventists are making progress, doubling their numbers, establishing missions, and unfurling the banner of truth in dark places of the earth. And yet the work moves more slowly than God would have it. It's great that there's thousands, 3,000 people a day are being baptized, but, but uh, God would have it go faster. The members of the church are not individually aroused to put forth the earnest effort. This is the reason why it's going slow. The members of the church are not individually aroused to put forth the earnest effort they are capable of making. And every branch of the work is crippled by the lack of fervent piety, devoted, humble, and God-fearing laborers. Truly, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We need more people that are willing to go out and serve humanity. The interest and laborers of the church must be extended more earnestly and decidedly to both home and foreign missions. So, you know, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about going overseas, but there, you know, this... This country is quickly becoming more and more secular, and people are coming here, and it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, I'm, I very often, I, don't, I think the last several airplane trips and taxi rides I've had have been with people of the Islamic faith, and just about every one of them got a great controversy, you know, because they're interested in these things, you know. You know they want to know more about our country. They want to know more about, they want to know about Christianity. There is a work to be accomplished which money cannot do. So what does that mean? What's, what, is, what is she saying there? If money can't do it, who can do it? Us, right? We need people. We need flesh and blood. Destitute fields must be supplied with earnest laborers, with those whose hearts are warm with the love of Christ and with love for souls. If, get a, if you get a chance, go back uh, later and listen to uh, the... I want to say it's the second lecture that David Kim gave. He, he had, he had a, a slide on the screen and talked about, and I'm going to try to just visualize it. I wasn't able to get it from him. I'm going to get it from, from him later. It was a really good slide. It talks about when we're converted, when we come to Christ, we have this heart conversion. And it's because our hearts are converted that we can then live a life that generates spiritual interest in other people. You know, it's just because you're, it's not like, oh, oh, I got to share Jesus with other people. It's because that which you love to, that which you love, you just end up talking about it all the time. You know, and you know, you're going to go to GYC, you're going to have an experience, you're going to answer an appeal, and you're going to go, and you're going to want to talk about it. You know, it's hard to keep quiet about the things you really care about, things that you really believe in. And those will develop spiritual interest. Somebody will ask you, hey, what'd you do this weekend? You know, and I was at a Bible conference, you know, and I, and I gave my heart to God, or I, I, I challenged myself to do something for this year. And they're going, oh, wow. They'll either not want to listen, or they'll say, oh, really? Tell me more about it. And then what will happen is from those, those spiritual interests, you'll, you'll see people that will actually want to know more and want to do Bible studies. This has happened in uh, my wife's and my life. You know, we've, we've had people that wanted to ask more, and we've done Bible studies with them. And some of those Bible studies lead to people wanting to join the church, want to be a part of the same movement you're involved in, you know? Not all, but what ends up happening is when you see those people make these commitments and make these decisions and join this, the same movement, all of a sudden, it converts your heart again. It's a cycle. You know, what ends up happening, you start all over again. And in fact, um, you can find Bible texts and Spirit of Prophecy quotes that's, that support the fact that it is without that process in our life of sharing our faith with other people and seeing other people come to follow Jesus as well, we start to lose our own faith. Our conversion starts to go down. Um, so we need to have that constant uh, conversion experience in our own lives. 
The influence of, okay, this, is, this one slide is really going to be focusing on those. I've had several people come up to me that I've either in medical school or in residency training, and so I wanted to make sure. I know not everyone here um, is, is called to be a physician or, or training, uh, but what's, what's great is that if you follow the principles of the Adventist health message, you'll be, as a layperson, you know, 10 times ahead, at least with prevention and, and general care, than the average physician out there. It's just, it's really sad, you know, it's, uh, so if you could, but for just uh, for those that are physicians or are contemplating becoming doctors, uh, this is something where it's, it's, it's a real good, it's a real good path to take. Um, one who is a physician and a religious teacher. So if you are a physician that also likes to talk about the gospel and teach people, will find a work to do that will result in the salvation of souls. The form of sound words and religious teaching sustained by a thus saith the Lord will have a saving influence. A physician can so express himself or herself that he will be invited to speak before various companies and will be well received or will be received. As a teacher, a physician can go, can watch his opportunities for the word of God is to go freely. I've been, and, and I mentioned this last time, I've uh, actually been invited to, to preach and give health seminars in three of the biggest church, churches, two Baptist churches and a Methodist church within just a couple of years of our practicing just because I'm a physician and I showed compassion, and the pastors, and the Lord just sent, sends you the right people. You, as somebody, if you are a physician or thinking about it, uh, pray that God will use you to reach people. And, and, and if you're a, someone that is rubbing shoulders with these people, they see, oh, wow, this is a doctor or, or a lawyer or somebody. Wow, they're, they're educated people, and they believe in the Bible, too. There must be something to it, uh, because we're quickly going into a society where where they seem to be antithetical to each other, that to believe in Bible-based religion is actually uh, uh, a thought process for those that don't think, you know? Uh, but, but regardless, the health message is something that should be freely available everybody in our church. In fact, let me see here. Everybody in our church should be equipped to be able to share. Medical missionary work opens doors. In new fields, no work is so successful as medical missionary work. What does it say? In new fields, let's say that together. In new fields, no work is so successful as medical missionary work. There's nothing that's more effective. If our ministers would work earnestly to obtain an education in medical missionary lines, they would be far better fitted to do the work Christ did as a medical missionary. Talking about pastors, you know, I mean, linking the two together. Uh, by diligent study and practice, they can become so well acquainted with the principles of health reform that wherever they go, they will be a great blessing to the people they meet. All of us, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you should also learn to treat. Because here's, the time is coming, and we already see it in, our in the day and age we live today. Healthcare is becoming, it's supposed to be becoming more accessible, but it's going to become less and less accessible. It's going to be so, become so expensive. It's going to get to the point where we need to learn simple ways to be able to help people. So that way, when, when we're not able to, let's say, buy or sell or things like that, we are going to be able to help people no matter where we're at with simple remedies, simple ways to help people. Right now, it's a little easier uh, to, to get that care, but it's going to come a time. And, and if you can help somebody when they're hurting physically, they'll be more receptive to the gospel. Amen? So avail yourselves of all that. I mean, there's, 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 there's lifestyle centers, there's health programs, there's, I mean, a whole list of, check out the exhibit hall. There's many programs you can educate yourself on how to not only live the health message, but also share it with others. 
All should learn healing. Medical missionary work is the helping hand of the gospel ministry. So far as possible, it would be well for evangelical, or evangelical workers to learn. So if you're someone that wants to share the gospel, you need to learn to minister to the necessities of the body as well as the soul. For in doing this, they are following the example of Christ. Because this is what Christ did. And what Christians are people that do what Christ did. Intemperance has well nigh filled the world with disease. So not having control, basically doing whatever the heart desires, living it up has well nigh filled the world with disease and the ministers of the gospel cannot spend their time and strength in relieving all in need of help. Basically, the pastors can't do it all. The, the Lord has ordained that Christian physicians and nurses shall labor in connection with those who preach the word. The medical missionary work is to be bound up with the gospel. They are not to be separated. Just uh, one or two more quotes and then we'll get into some more practical things here. Successful evangelistic work can be done in connection with uh, medical missionary work. It is all these lines of work are united that we may expect to gather the most precious fruit of the Lord. It's when they're combined together. The presenting of Bible principles by an intelligent physician will have great weight upon many people. There is efficiency and power with one who can combine in his influence the work of a physician and a gospel minister. His work commends itself to the good judgment of the people. Let's see right now. So, in summary, why medical missions? This was Christ's method. This is what he did. He linked healing of the body with healing of the soul. So we should be educated in this. It opens the heart to spiritual interests. When people see you care, just like uh, what Don shared, an atheist was willing to allow Christ to identify with him. Helps the message spread more quickly. Opens doors to closed lands. And actually, I want to have a, a friend of mine uh, share that. Uh, it converts both the missionary and mission field. That's usually us. So just real quick, so uh, using the healing arts with a purposeful intention of leading others to Christ. So what does that look like? You know, having healthcare providers that are spiritually focused, you know, that actually take the time to, because they did a study when I was in residency, I think it's like one out of every, what is it? Do you remember this, Ellie? I think it's like 80% of people out there want their doctors or their nurses to talk to them about spiritual things. It's like, it's like 80%, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, it's an enormous amount of people. I have had the opportunity to pray with probably over a thousand patients, and I can count on one hand how many people have said no. I've had two Buddhists and an atheist. And that one atheist, the next time I met with her, uh, she was going through some depression. I'd given her a book called Desire of Ages and said, you know what? There was a guy, he was also depressed. You should read about him. He was in his garden. He was depressed, but he felt like people had, you know, God, his, his father had abandoned him. Uh, why don't you read that? And she showed, you know, showed compassion to her. And by God's grace, within the next couple of visits or so, she was a lot, she'd let me pray with her. You know, an atheist, she's, I mean, and she, she invited it. Church-based uh, health outreaches, uh, CHIP, uh, Depression Recovery Program, Creation Health, these are excellent, excellent tools that allow us, I mean, there, there are people that have gone before that have made these programs. You know, make yourself uh, aware of these and get involved in some of these things, because, I mean, I've... This chip, for instance, this CHIP program, I remember when I was a, a medical student, I, had, I went through the CHIP program myself. My cholesterol went from 230 to 130 in 30 days. You know, lost weight, felt a lot better. I, I, I was pretty much sold on this whole vegan diet after that. One of, the, one of the participants in that CHIP seminar was a guy that was a severe diabetic. He was a guy that went to my church. He went to the church. He was a janitor, or a, I'm sorry, he was, a, he was a deacon, also served as a janitor at the church. This was in Loma Linda. And he was scheduled to have two of his toes amputated because of poor circulation and gangrene uh, developing his foot. 
Day eight or nine of the CHIP program, he started feeling pain in his foot. He hadn't felt anything in his feet for quite some time. And uh, by the end of the 30 days, he had, he had normal looking toes. I've never ever in my life seen gangrene anything come back to life. So that was definitely a miracle. I mean, you see these things happen. You know, get involved, do these at your churches. And then also, we'll talk about some mission trips here. Uh, just a, uh, let's see here. I'm going to share with you this story, and then I have uh, Dr. Kim, Ellie Kim, come up. Uh, when I was a fourth-year medical student, I had an opportunity to go to India with, with Amazing Facts. How many of you guys have heard of Amazing Facts? Everyone's heard of Amazing Facts, right? Doug Batchelor and all them. And um, I had just been converted. I had somebody, I, you know, I, I kind of kind of quasi grew up in the church, but uh, didn't really take it seriously, and was now starting to read my Bible more. My wife and I, my girlfriend at the time, later became my wife, we started to really take this seriously because we believed that, you know, God was real, and so if he's real, let's, let's really follow it. And So we used to listen to Amazing Facts a lot, and they were going to go to India to do an evangelistic meetings, and they wanted to, to, to connect, just like was mentioned in the previous quotes, the right hand with the, the gospel. And uh, so anyways, we did this evangelistic series, we did health clinics, and then afterwards, I got an opportunity to go to a, a mission hospital just to the north of India. And while I was in the south of India with Amazing Facts, we saw thousands of people give their heart to God. Thousands, I mean, it was just amazing. I'd never seen so many people just stand up and just say, I want to give my heart to Christ. And these are pe you know, people that are mostly previously Hindu. And uh, all of a sudden, they're, they're wanting to give their hearts to the Lord. So I was on this spiritual high. Well, fast forward a few days, and now everyone from Amazing Facts has gone back to the States, and I'm spending an extra week looking at mission hospitals in India. And I got the opportunity to meet with a, 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 a missionary family that were Indians that were working just east of Delhi at a hospital there. And I was just on fire. I was like, you know, we were working in this hospital. And we weren't really doing much spiritual care. It was just a lot of medical care. So I was like, are we going to ever get a chance to talk to them about Jesus? And uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, well, why don't we do an outreach into the, into the community, one of the small villages, and we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll do a clinic, and then if you want, you know, you might have an opportunity to share, but I was like, well, do you have any Bibles, any Hindi Bibles? It's like, oh, I don't know if we should bring those, because they can get kind of hostile if you share. I was, like, I was like, well, these Indians look the same as these thousands that were just baptized, and they, and they look the same to me. They'll probably be just as receptive. And this family, you know, this happens to all of us. You know, they, they had just been, you know, rejection after rejection, and they got to the point where they were just, they stopped trying. So anyways, you know, she had a box of these Gideon Hindi Bibles, and, and I got her to at least bring 10. And I wanted her to bring the whole box, but she's like, okay, I'll just bring 10. To make a long story short, we're at this village, and, and uh, the, the uh, missionary family was there, and we're you know, we're treating, me and another medical student, we're treating these people, and then I kept saying the same things over and over again, you know, you need to stop, you know, you need to drink more water and stop drinking so much caffeine, and they're having all these muscle pain and headaches, and I was like, you need to eat fruits and vegetables and try a plant-based diet. I kept saying the same things over and over again, because it seemed like everyone had the same problems. And I was like, you know what, let me just do a lecture, I'll just have somebody just stand up, I'll just stand up and I'll just have everyone, I can just say the same thing to everyone, just do a real quick preventative health lecture, and I think I even used New Start is an acronym. And uh, so anyways, we gathered all these people together in this uh, town square, in this uh, Indian village. There's probably, I don't know, maybe 100 people or so. And I have a translator. The guy on the left is the translator. He was actually uh, was with me there. 
And uh, so I'm giving this lecture, and the, 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 uh, the missionary doctor's wife, the, the indigenous, uh, the, the Indian lady, that was very skeptical, was there, and she wanted to make sure I didn't say too much, you know, religious stuff, because she didn't want to, like, uh, you know, start a riot. And so she's there listening to everything, and so I was, like, I was basically saying, you know, and guys, and, and, uh, and I had a Bible in my back pocket, and I was like, you know, there is a, a, a way to live that'll provide you opportunities to have, you know, no pain in your life, and you'll feel better, and you don't have to take medications, and, and they're eating it up, and they're eating it up, and I was asking them questions, and, and I talked about, you know, living a, you know, plant-based lifestyle, going to bed on time, drinking plenty of water, getting sunlight, staying away from alcohol and tobacco and caffeinated beverages and all these things. And I, I went right through the whole thing. And at the end, I was like, is there anybody here that would like to know where this information came from? And like all their hands stood up. I was like, oh, where's this coming from? I thought it was coming from you, doctor. It's like, no, actually, I didn't come, it didn't come from me. And I, put, I pulled out one of the Bibles and I said, I said, the God that created all things and wrote this book is the same God that came up with the health message. And if he's right about that, he's probably right about other things. How many of you would like a copy of this book? And I remember seeing there's like a guy in the back, like over there, and he kind of looked around at his friends, maybe about 20 years old, and he just shot his hand up. He's like, me. And everyone saw him like look with his hand up. And the missionary lady was like, oh, what's going to happen? And like, and all of a sudden they looked at him and then they looked at me and everyone put their hands up. They all put their hands up. I was like, praise the Lord. And I looked at her, I was like, see, you should have brought the whole box, you know? <laughs> and anyway, so I just said, okay, who are like the leaders in the town, you know? And I so I gave the 10 books to the to people that were kind of the leaders. And then, and we would come back with a box later for everyone else. But anyways, I was like, oh, it's great. You know, it's awesome. And, and anyways, this guy in the middle here starts talking to, um, let's see here. I think somebody pushed a, if you hit number three, yeah. Three, perfect. Uh, the, guy in the, the guy in the middle was this, this Indian gentleman, probably about 60 or so. He starts pushing his way to the front. And he comes up to this translator of mine and just starts talking to him in Hindi. I don't know what's going on. And he's just talking, talking, talking. And I was like, man, what's going on? I wonder what they're talking about. Well, anyways, he sits, he, he comes over to me and the, my translator is like, huge smile on his face. And he's like, you got to hear this. This guy is telling me that about 10 years ago, he was out in his field and he was farming. And all of a sudden, he fell over, and he couldn't move the you know, right side of his body. He was paralyzed. He suffered a stroke, and he couldn't move. And they carried him back to his home, and his home, and he was depressed, and, and he didn't really have any type of, really didn't, you know, he was Hindu by culture, but didn't really believe it. And he, he said, you know, if there's, and he just remembers crying out, saying, you know, if there's something I can do, if there's a God out there, and then goes to sleep. Anyways, while he's sleeping, he has this vision of this guy in white, wearing white clothes, and he starts basically, and he said, he started saying exactly the same things you said during your health lecture to the T in the same order. And I've been following those principles for the last 10 years, and I am fully functioned. I actually feel younger now at 60 than I was when I was at 40. And he's like, and I never knew who that guy was, but now I know it's Jesus. And I sat there, I almost fell. I was like, this is the stuff you listen, you hear like in like Mission Spotlight or, you know, in Inside or whatever. I'd never been a part of that, you know, and it's just amazing. And so, you know, and I, as I looked at that and, uh, you know, what allowed me to be bold is because I saw other people being bold for Jesus and I surrounded myself with it. Have a little bit more faith to push yourself. And, and, and at the end of the day, don't worry so much. I mean, it's, it sounds bad, especially as a physician that we're always worried about risk management. Worry more about them than about your own self. 
you know, and be willing to share the truth and share it with a zeal um, because it, it's, it's beautiful. Amen? I want to actually at this time uh, invite my friend Ellie to come on up. Ellie has had an opportunity uh, to go to Bangladesh uh, several times, and I want him to share with you how the medical missionary work has actually helped to open doors in a almost completely Muslim country. All right, how many of you uh, know a Muslim? Have a friend that is a Muslim? Okay, a coworker or anything? Okay, what if I asked you to, to uh, witness to them or share to them um, the gospel message? Do you think that would be hard? Yes? Okay. Where would you start? What would you do? Do you think that there's a, there's a wall there? Okay. Why do you think Muslim, what do you, what do you think that the, the perspective of a Muslim is of typical Christian or American or Christian American? What are some walls that we, what? We're hypocritical in some way. Yeah. Okay. So, well, here's one thing that, um, it's pretty clear for them is that Christians, they drink alcohol, all right, even though the Bible says not to. They, what, what else do they do? They eat pork, right, even though the Bible says not to, and, it, well, and, and the, the Quran as well. And um, also they believe in multiple gods or they don't, you know, like Trinity, they don't quite understand that, so they think it's three gods, right? So, so how would you break down walls? How, what would be a good way? Yeah, I don't drink, right? Okay, so one time I was actually in line with a Muslim, and it went, uh, you know, you can tell he was wearing a white, you know, he had, he had the Muslim um, um, apparel. And, I, you know, I was in line with him at Walmart returning something, and he was in there, we were kind of waiting a long time, so I said, I'm going to talk to this guy. How am I going to witness to him, you know? Maybe I can share what true Christianity is. So I said, um, assalamu alaikum. You know, and he says, oh, so like him, assalamu You know, he's like, he actually, you know, he's like so surprised I, I greeted him in, in um, in Islamic language. And then I said, um, uh, he's like, he started asking me questions, and then I said, yeah, you know, I'm actually a Christian. And then he's like, mm. I'm like, oh, wait, he's probably gonna think I'm one of those Christians. So I said, oh, no, I don't drink alcohol. I, I believe in one God, and I don't eat pork. And he said, you're a good Muslim. <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah, I guess I am. And then, you know, so I go, that's what I believe in the Bible. And he's like, oh, okay, well, nice to meet you. And then, you know, he, he, he had to leave. But I just, it, I, I realized when I went to Bangladesh, you know, it's predominantly, it's like 90% Muslim, okay? It's one of the fourth, it's the fourth largest Muslim population in the world. It is in a country the size of Iowa with 150 million people. Okay, Dhaka is one of the most highly densely populated cities in the world. And so we went there. My friends planned this trip years before. I went on the third trip they were there. For them to go there is a little different than standing in line, you know, in, in Walmart, right? So I was like, what were you thinking? How would we reach this population of Muslims without getting killed? Because people w do get killed there. Um, they literally, um, so they were thinking, we have to be patient and loving, and we have to use the gospel message using the right arm of the gospel, which is what? The medical missionary work. Now, I'm going to just read you something really quick. Um, this, is, this is from uh, test treasure, test, uh, treasures, Testimony Treasures, I think, uh, Volume 2. The medical, it says here, the medical missionary work is to be the work of the church as the right arm of the to the body. 
It says here, the third angel goes forth proclaiming the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, which is the gospel message, right? The medical missionary work is the gospel in practice. And so you have to be, that, the right arm is the, is the medical missionary lines of work. And that's how you kind of, it's like an entering wedge, you know, to get into people's lives. So they said, okay, we're going to go do a medical missionary trip there. Um, the first year when they set up in this one village, they had thousands and thousands of people come, but they did not do, they didn't even preach the gospel. They, I mean, they didn't bring out Bibles. They didn't do anything because they wouldn't allow them to. Actually, the government was very apprehensive at first for them to go there. Um, so th they did a lot of great work in the village. They helped them. They just, they like saw thousands of people, sick people uh, and dental work. They did um, uh, minor surgeries, that kind of thing. And then the second year, they're, they're like, you're back. They're like, you guys are back again. Oh, they were kind of excited because, you know, you did the first time. They started, they did a little VBS. So that was like the next step, right? They go, well, you're, you're they would wait in line four in the morning all day long to get a ticket. And then they would get their ticket called and they would go in. Thousands of people. They would go for miles and miles away just to come visit us. And then what happened was, um, you know, their kids would be sitting around doing nothing. So, like, hey, why don't you have your kids come to the VBS, you know, or this, this little uh, children's program. And the children's program, guess what? You, you, you teach them about Bible stories and stuff like that. So that was the second year. Third year is when I went. And it was even more popular. It was so popular that, I mean, lines were just going all over the place. They had police everywhere just to kind of, like, control people. And um, what we did is when you got a ticket and you came in in, in certain amount of groups, you had to uh, go to this one pre-screening pre room, or I don't know what we called it, but you, you were required to listen to a Bible story, a Bible parable. Everybody, in order to get to see your doctor. To, so everybody got to hear a gospel story, and they were totally fine with it. And the police officers went through it too. And they were the one kind of wa watching us, and they're like, what, you know? So anyway, it was amazing. So we, everybody got to hear about the Bible. A little bit, and the VBS program was huge that year too. And we saw—I I can't can't even count how many thousands we saw. Um, but uh, Moscala, Dr. Moscala, he's the he's the physician in Bangladesh. He decided to go to Bangladesh because he found out that the number, the amount of medical missionaries in Bangladesh at the time when he before he got there was, I believe, it was like zero or or one, maybe at most one. So he said, "I need to go," you know. So he went, and now, to this day, he has, he has, like, when I was there, it was like seven different schools just in Dhaka area alone. He had orphanages. He had different programs and health clinics every, and his dental practice. So he was just growing tremendously. One story he told me was um, he actually was, uh, he, he didn't know how to start. He said, how am I going to preach to these people? I might get killed, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And... Um, People don't really have laptops there, right? So he got a laptop. He just puts it down, and he got these, these uh, you know, those, those slides you can get from, from online somewhere. Where we were present, uh, uh, share him. Yeah, it was a share him um, uh, uh, program where you just, it teaches you how to preach it. You just read it, and you just preach it, and he had a translator. And he would just, right on the city street somewhere, he would just put the laptop there, uh, and he would start preaching. No venue, nothing. Just start preaching from this laptop. And people would just gather around. And then there would be like tons and tons of people all around just listening to him speak. And one day, actually, he was preaching on um, medical lines of, of, of uh, work, as in like healing and how Jesus healed. And he was talking about the parable of the, the cripple man. 
the man that, that was lame. And, then, and, and as he's preaching this story we're all familiar with, he looks in the crowd and there's this man crippled on the ground right there, just listening to the story. What happens next? And he says, and Jesus, and he says, Get, lift up, uh, take up your mat and walk. And he, he got up and he walked. And they're like, whoa, amen. You know, like they're just, oh, not amen. But, you know, they, <laughs> they're just so excited. And, um, and then he's like, in his mind, I, re I remember him saying, um, I, did, oh, I, I didn't know what to do because there's this crippled man right in front of me. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, so I'm going to pray. So he prays and then he, he sends him off and he goes or turns around and he goes inside. And, and the translator, and he, he, like, he was so scared, he didn't know what to do. And uh, the translator man runs in and he says, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? They're all waiting for you outside. He said, why? He says, because the, the crippled man, he's waiting for you to pray for him. And he's like, oh, Lord, please be with me. And he was so, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, this is just intense. What would you do in that situation? What would you do? Okay, yeah, pray. So that's what he did. He prayed, and then he said, okay, I'm going to go out there. So he goes out there, and everybody's just watching. Uh, let's see how powerful this God is. And, and he's sitting there on a mat, and he goes, and he, and he starts praying for him. He prays so loud that it's like a sermon, you know? And he, it makes a really long, dragged-out uh, uh, prayer, but it was a prayer that was, like, kind of teaching the gospel at the same time, you know? <laughs> and, and, and he's praying, Lord, give this man, if it is your will, you know, <laughs> help this man to walk. And then, uh, you know, and then he, he, he ends the prayer. And, and then he just, nothing happens, so he's just kind of like, okay, everyone, you know, bye. And then he goes to the next village. So he's going village to village doing this. He goes to the next village, and then he gets a phone call. And he's just shaking. He's like, oh, no. And he's like, what happened? And then it's somebody from the previous village, and he said, uh-oh, what happened? You know, because he's so scared that, uh-oh, they're, they're going to, you know, crucify him or something. And um, they, he says, Oh, are they mad? Are they upset? And he's like, no, they're, they're so excited. That man, after you left, he got up and he walked. <laughs> and so, so he was just like, praise God. He this is just one of the miracles. He has so many miracle stories that he's told like this. And that's the guy we went with to this, this, on this mission trip. I mean, it's amazing what you can do in the medical lines of work, how you can reach people, how you can break down barriers, break down walls. It's so also on top of that, you know, you don't drink and you don't, you know, you don't eat pork. But remember, those are the key things. So if you want to even listen to his sermons, you can go to Audioverse, check Moscala, Dr. Milan Moscala, Bangladesh Missions. It's right there. You can listen to it. Uh, probably that same story is in there somewhere. So anyway. Moscala, M-O-S. L-A. Say that again. M-O-S-K-A-L-A. Okay. Yeah, and you can, if you go to Audioverse, you can actually click on M and toggle through all the, the, the presenters in M. Um, but yeah, powerful message. I, I have never gone to a predominantly Muslim country, um, but uh, uh, powerful, powerful. That's a huge need, and there's a lot of, a lot of barriers between the gospel and the um, people from is, Islamic countries. <clears throat> With the time we have left, we just have about, <clears throat> about 15 minutes left. I want to share with you guys an experience I had just a few weeks ago going to, uh, to Tacloban in the Philippines. How many of you guys have heard about the typhoon? Typhoon high. Okay, everyone, right? Okay, just real quick, I had a chance to go there. I wasn't planning on going. I remember watching on the Weather Channel 
they're say, the, the, the lady was talking to the ambassador of the Philippines to the United States, and she was like, what are you doing to prepare for Typhoon Haiyan? This is going to be the biggest storm ever on, the, on planet Earth to hit a landmass. What are you doing? And I remember him saying, the Filipino people are resilient people. We are, plenty, we are prepared, and we shall, we've had many of these typhoons, and we shall be fine. And the lady was just stunned. It's like, wow. And I was thinking, yeah, what is this guy doing, you know? And I kept saying, and I remember talking to some of the people when I got to, to the Philippines and asked them, you know, why wasn't there more people that left, that, you know, evacuated? And they said, well, they kept hearing about the storm surge. And they didn't know what it was. I and mean, if they would have just said a tsunami is coming, they would have all left. So there was a, a barrier, a miscommunication, and unfortunately many people lost their lives. Uh, but it was uh, definitely devastating. Let's see, okay, let's go this way. The Bible says, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We will see more and more of these things. As in the day of Noah, we're going to see these things happening more and more. You know, the disasters will only increase. I think we as God's people, as we as people that know how it's going to all end, should prepare ourselves to be on the helping and not the receiving end of these things because we will have an opportunity to be able to help and then share the gospel with them. So the first day after the typhoon hit, they expected maybe three people died. No, it was a horrible typhoon. At least three people dead. You know, as of uh, last month, this is December 15th, over 6,100 dead, uh, almost 1,800 still missing, uh, close to 28,000 people injured, and uh, very sad. And they didn't need to die. <clears throat> so just to kind of refresh your memories, uh, typhoon... They actually called it Yolanda in the Philippines. So just, I'm going to call it Yolanda because Haiyan is harder for me to say. Uh, so Typhoon Yolanda uh, was, that's the, the, the course it took. And you can see it kind of took a diagonal cross track through the, the belly of the Philippines. The Philippines is divided into three major uh, island groups. Luzon to the north, Mindanao to the south, and then the Visayan Islands in the middle. And Visaya was the hardest hit. Just, a, just kind of a comparative um, when Katrina hit uh, New Orleans, it had uh, gusts up to 100 and, I believe, 155 miles per hour. Um, Yolanda had gusts up to 235 miles per hour, twice the size. If you were to take Yolanda and put it at, at the Panhandle of Florida, it would stretch almost to New York as far as its size. Um, and you can just imagine, I mean, we saw what happened with Katrina and what it did to our country with the type of infrastructure we have. Just imagine what tin roofs, aluminum roofs with uh, sticks, you know, nails, things were flying through the air that were killing people. Just imagine razor blades going around, spinning around 235 miles an hour. I got an opportunity to go to this island here. The, the infrastructure and the, the, the travel to the Philippines was horrible. It took me five days of travel time just to get to Tacloban is actually here. And you can see there's not, there's not too much blocking a tsunami of water hitting that, that part of the island. You know, the typhoon also hit um, Panay and some of the other islands along the way, the northern part of Cebu, but that was more wind damage and because the, there was not as much, uh, as much of a storm surge. They said that uh, the, the, the water, the waves were somewhere between 30 and 50. There wasn't a ruler out there, but they... they, they uh, Estimated a conservative estimate would be a 30-foot wave or, you know, or to a 50-foot wave hitting and is hitting a, a major city. 
Tacloban is actually the, uh, the capital city for, for Leyte, which is an island that was hit most severely. I'm going to show some videos real quick. <clears throat> I don't know if the lights will... Can you guys see okay? That's, that's not bad. I mean, that's bad, but the lighting's not so bad. This is the uh, ocean front, and it looks like this for miles either way. And that was all a city, you know, three-story homes. And as you're driving, you can just smell, you know, just the decaying bodies because they can't get to the bodies, still under the rubble. This is the other side. That's the Adventist church, it's still standing. Um, but the rubble on either side of the church, uh, they actually, the, a day after this, were able to unearth 20 bodies just on the side of the church. If you Let's see if I can go back. Let's see. Okay, see how tall the church is? A, a eyewitness further back said the entire church was covered with water. And so, and this is right by the ocean. And the entire, and it goes in. There was huge, like, 30, 40-foot fishing vessels about a half mile inland on top of homes. So, damaged homes, 1.14 million destroyed homes, over 500,000 Affected cities, 57. Affected provinces, 44. People displaced, 4.1 million people. Evacuation centers up to that point. This is on December 15th, 101,000. There's estimates that, that <clears throat> this city and the local province around it <clears throat> will probably be without electricity for over a year, running water for over a year, and no structures. I mean, they're living outside in the elements, and it still rains there. There was actually another typhoon on its way by the time I got there. I, I got there about 10 days after the typhoon. Uh, because it took five days to get to the city. I don't know if you can see with the lighting here, but they, I mean, the people are, are there's no aid rescuers there. They're, they're, they're having to pull out their own dead families from the rubble, wrap them in saran wrap and blankets and leave them on the side of the road hoping somebody will pick them up. Mass, mass graves and these people are really suffering. You know, just, they find somebody and, and uh, because they, they want to go on with their life and, it's, uh, it's right now the biggest issues now are more uh, public disease issues. Um, we've pretty much taken care of all the broken bones and, and the lacerations and things like that. We're seeing more uh, issues from people, you know, trying to clean up and they're cutting themselves. They're getting tetanus. We've had, we had like five or six people I was there that died from tetanus. Um, their immunization schedule is very poor over there. And so they're, it was just, it was horrific to see what happened just more people that could have been saved. Uh, we had these medical clinics. We had some guys from Harvard, some doctors from Harvard working with us and did a lot of wound care. Uh, this is a little video here. Despite all of this, the Filipino people, I'm half Filipino, um, they're just very resilient, very, very happy people. Hello. Can you say hello to the USA? Yes. That means thank you. Okay. We're going to help them. Thank you. Okay. Salamat, salamat. Yeah.
really, I mean, they're, they're, they're a joy to hang out with. Um, lots of hurting people, lots of people suffering, and just the one island over, it's amazing to me. Uh, we were getting supplies in Cebu, went to this, I mean, and, and life is just going on all around it. It's amazing how in, this, in, the, in the midst of suffering and death and carnage that you can be so separated from another human's life and not give, not care. Um, I mean, Christmas shopping and all the other things, and I was just thinking, man, I'm coming from the other side of the world to help these people out, and you can't just go over one island to help these people out. I mean, just bring some food. They have no food. They have no water. And, um, and I sat there, I was thinking, you know, never let that be said about a Christian. Never, I mean, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for, I mean, forget laying your life down. Just go over and give them something to eat, you know? Um, but we should all be willing to be first responders uh, because what would Jesus do in that situation? Let's see here. Uh, this is a lady we found. This is about two weeks afterwards, and she wasn't expecting, you know, the people weren't coming to the hospitals anymore. They either, the roads were destroyed, so they had no way to get there. They didn't want to leave their homes because they were damaged, and so they, were, they feared people looting their homes. Or they just weren't used to going to doctors because it's expensive there. Uh, so this lady, we found her 12 days afterwards. She had a fractured uh, skull. She had uh, swollen fingers from, uh, uh, just from all the pressure. Her, she had a uh, fractured humerus, and she just put a little arm sling there. And she's just a little... Little Lola, that's the name for uh, grandmother there, just not complaining at all. I'm just going to live my life this way. You know, we were able to, to um, evacuate her and get her to Manila. Uh, but these things we would find two weeks later, you know, this living this way. Very sad. Real quick, I just want to, uh, you know, got the opportunity while I was over there to just meet some really awesome people. Uh, I got to meet with, uh, you know, because we were helping, I mean, everybody's just in disarray help to go there, kind of get things, you know, help to rehabilitate one of the hospitals that had been uh, just been totally, not totally, but had been devastated, get it back and going. Um, got to rub shoulders with some of the congressmen. Senator Marcos, who's actually, if you know anything about politics from the past, Ferdinand Marcos was one of the, the longest reigning president. Um, his family is, his family or the, his wife's family, Imelda Marcos, is from this area. And so we got to meet tons. Of, I met senators and congressmen. Just after I left, Manny Pacquiao, the boxer, came and was working with us, you know, going around. I mean, talk about tearing walls down. And we were able to meet and rub shoulders with people and make, you know, I got to meet with the mayor of the town and his first, you know, medical officer and things like that. And, uh, and just because we were there to help. And they were coming to us for help. You know, what can we do? How do we do? We've never had anything like this happen before. And, and just amazing. And I went with a group called Axe World Relief. Uh, Axe is a, if you haven't worked with, and, and here's a thing, I'm just going to give a plug. They still need people to go. You know, if you guys can find a way to take a couple of, I mean, I say a couple of weeks because it takes almost a week of time just traveling, you know, but if you can t find some time, raise some funds, get some supplies to get over there, you know, I'm going to try to get over there at least a couple more times this year. I want to go back now that I've developed these relationships to, to, to preach the gospel, to, to do evangelism now, you know, but it's, you know, the time to do it is not when they're trying to find food, though. You know, so we've got to build those relationships with people and then show them, hey, listen, these things happen. The Bible talks about these things happening and they're going to happen, but you can have hope that this will not continue forever. God has got a plan. You know, there's a controversy going on. Satan is trying to defame the name of God all over this planet, but he will win in the end. Amen? Amen. So I, I, I hope, 
Let me see here. I gotta end here. What if it were you? Where would you go if this happened to you? Who would help you? Would you be prepared for a disaster like this? When did you see when did we see you naked and thirsty? When did when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me, Jesus said. You're helping Jesus when you're helping people in their biggest needs. And I just wanted to, you know, this is, you know, Matthew chapter 24 goes on. These things are signs of the times. May we as Adventists not get less and less zealous about preaching these things when they're actually happening in front of us, like on a larger and larger scale. I, there was two other major disasters around the world that happened while I was over there, you know, and so CNN had to divert their attention to something else. And so there's, there's I mean, the, the, they call it donor exhaustion, volunteer exhaustion. There's less and less people helping these people and they're still in huge need. Um, give you an opportunity here to, let's see here. If you have some, go to axwr.org. If you have any interest, they're do, they do medical clinics, you can help, with, help out with construction, but when people really need help, you help them, you're the hands and feet to Jesus, and you build so much credibility that they'll wanna know more. Just real quick, while I was over there, a group of 60 Buddhist physicians were over there from Taiwan. I was talking to the guy that was a lead physician. I'm like, why do you guys come here? He's like, we prepare for disaster response. He's like, we go, we give everyone 400 pesos, we clean up their homes, and we, we get them feeling better, and you know, try to, try to rehabilitate their homes and give them money, and then we proselytize. We, we, sp we spread Buddhism to them. And I, I remember thinking, man, and they'll probably listen, too. They'll probably listen. Just a few, th you, some of you have gotten some uh, brochures. Um, just, you know, there's lots of good organizations you can, you can uh, help out with. There's, um, there's tons of things you can look at as far as the exhibits go. But some of the ones that are kind of near and dear to my heart, um, I was able to go to Haiti during the earthquake and... Uh, and have developed relationships there to actually do evangelistic series afterwards, and it's been a blessing. Um, there continues to be ongoing efforts. If you would like to do a short-term mission trip somewhere that's a little bit closer, uh, Haiti would be a good option. UpwardBoundMinistriesHaiti.org, and then Re Project Restore a Child. Um, great opportunity. How many of you guys ever heard of uh, Compassion International? They do this 30-hour, uh, uh, like a hunger fast thing where you, you don't eat for 30 hours, and, and during that time, you use the money that you, you would have spent and you donate it, right? Um, this is analogous, it's called Restore Child. They have these things where you can donate and do, they, do, they, do what's called, they do a hunger fast as well. Um, it's called a do fast. Um, it's for defending orphans. Check it out, take a look at it. Really good organization. But basically when it comes down to it, just do something. So disaster response here and abroad, Haiti medical construction, and just do something. Um, I'm sorry I don't have any time for any public questions, but um, if, if any of you have questions afterwards, feel free to come up. Why don't we, uh, why don't we stand for a prayer? Sorry to go over, but I really felt like I wanted to cover that, that uh, Philippine response. Hopefully someone here will be touched to want to go and help out. And if you are, you can volunteer at axworldrelief.org. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share uh, here at GYC. And Lord, I know myself, I, I get caught up sometimes with just the, the rat race and the things that happen here. And, 
And the things we think are important, Father, they just kind of strip away when disasters happen and when life happens. And, and someday it's going to happen to us. And who was, who's going who's to be willing to help us, Father? I pray that uh, at least one person here would feel the, the urge to want to help out, um, if not here in the Philippines, uh, here in the States. There's, there's suffering and there's needs all over the place. And Lord, help us to find ways to, to make the things that are precious to you precious to us. I uh, pray for uh, wisdom, pray for guidance, and I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us as we seek to, to be your hands and feet in this world, using medical missionary work to make a difference here uh, in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.